0: Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824, Terms and Conditions Apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm mill Got been Wolf us honor. today. Guy Kip Adams is on vacation, getting a nice little break before uh, we really hit the ground running with the start of the football season, so uh, we are uh, closing in less than two weeks until Georgia starts its season on September 2nd with UT Martin, a home game at 6 p.m. in Sanford Stadium, and a lot to tackle today, Ben. Uh, Both of us were in Athens over at the Buttsmere Building, uh, had a chance to talked to Kirby Smart, talked to several different players including quarterback Carson Beck and then we got to watch a little bit of practice afterwards and uh, Ben let's just go ahead and jump into what really was the big news of the day for Georgia and uh, it was not good news. It was uh, the fact that Branson Robinson sophomore running back uh, will be out for the season uh, tore his patellar tendon. Uh, Kirby told us that early on Wednesday uh, had a chance um, to talk to him and uh, mentioned it was a non-contact injury you know they're expecting a full recovery but Branson who was a very promising young back uh, will be out for this season uh, Ben let's talk about the running back room losing Branson and also sort of tying in what we got to see at practice you know uh, we went out there Dejon Edwards uh, was not with the running backs he was off to the side you uh, watch them uh, go through some Uh, Work with some guys who were banged up. Uh, Among them was also another running back, Kendall Milton. Uh, What do you make of the running back room right now? Knowing what we know, knowing those guys are banged up, and knowing that Branson will not be an option this season.
0: Well, for starters, brutal for Branson. Obviously, someone that's dealt with his fair share of injury bugs since he's gotten to Georgia in general. And to have this one just coming back from something that he'd overcome, it really just – stinks for him that he's now in the position of not being able to play this season, but it's also become a little bit of a weird situation in the running back room in general. And, you know, we had today, we had the press conferences at 12 where Kirby confirmed it. And then we had practice availability at four. And so in between that we were obviously having conversations together about the running back room and what this meant. And I think that, you know, we don't feel as though it's in dire straits that it's unovercomeable. But at the same time, we were also talking about that in the context of Dejon Edwards being a guy that you can really rely on. And to your point, when you get when we got to practice today, he was in a black jersey off to the side doing individual drills with other guys like Kendall Milton, like Janelle Aguero. And you know, I think that any time that you have a season ending injury with Branson, you've got two guys in black jerseys doing individual drills at the running back position that are theoretically your 1A, one B sort of going into this season. And then you've got another guy that's coming off of a season-ending injury and in Andrew Paul. I mean, that's a pretty brutal outlook when you just look at it at face value. Now, I think that Georgia still has some guys in that room. And if Dejon Edwards can work his way back from whatever he's dealing with, if Kendall Milton can work his way back from whatever he's dealing with, and Andrew Paul can assert himself into – the lineup like I think that he's going to be able to. I really don't think it's a bad situation, but it's a very thin situation. And Kirby brought that up today that it's not so much how it affects things right now. It's how it affects things if there is another injury or you look somewhere else and you run into a problem there. And I think that he mentioned, you know, we got to think about how we're using guys in the kick return game and the punt return game. Like we got to be a little bit more strategic on, with our special teams units in terms of who we're using because of how thin Georgia is there. That said, another, a guy that we've mentioned a lot and we're going to continue to mention and at times in the season or in the preseason, it might have been like, oh, this is fall camp buzz. But Cash Jones is going to be a factor for this team. I mean, that was going to be the case regardless of everything that they've been dealing with with injuries over the course of this week. But that's especially the case now. He's someone that they will have no choice but to lean on in certain situations. And so it's not where you want to be at the running back position. It definitely makes you look back at the 2023 class and say, all right, you've got Roderick Robinson in the class and, you know, he's a a big body that will probably be required to play a role this year just given the numbers that they have at the position but also only taking one running back in the 2023 class makes you say man from a depth standpoint you'd probably rather have a little bit more and del mcgee even mentioned earlier this spring that or earlier this fall rather that they've been playing below their allotted number and the reason they're taking three in this class is for exactly that so it's an already thin room that has been thinned out even more and i think that's going to scare some folks um you know just heading into the season
1: to your point, someone in the media room after we were told the news brought up that uh, now would have been a good time to have a justice Teams, you know, that Georgia went after really, really hard uh, in that 2023 class. You know, it was really interesting when we were out there at practice, you're watching, you know, early on the running backs working with the quarterbacks and it's like Andrew Paul's the first guy up. I think then it was Cash Jones and it was Roger Robinson, then it was Savon Clark and you think about you know relying on a guy that's coming off an ACL and sort of where that puts you, um, but they've still got talent, and I know that it sounds so cliche to say, like, hey, don't write off these walk-ons, but, like, Cash Jones has gotten buzz. What always gets me when you do interviews with players or coaches is when guys get mentioned when you do not specifically ask about them. Yeah. If you're asking specifically about guys, you know, you kind of take it at, at face value. But when you're like, hey, who do you really like in the running backs? And Del McGee's saying, you know, oh, well, you know, Cash Jones is is really impressed. And I know at one point Kirby said that he might be the fastest running back in the room and that pound for pound he's one of the strongest players. Like, we did not set them up to say that. You know, they volunteered that information. And to your point, I mean, I think Cash Jones is going to get some play. Like you said, was probably going to get some play no matter what. And now with the numbers looking like they are, there's a real chance – he's going to get some significant snaps when we get into the season.
0: I will say I, Andrew Paul is someone that I'm very high on. I think that if it wasn't for what he was coming off of, I would feel that Georgia wasn't in that bad of a situation, or I wouldn't feel that Georgia would should have any areas of concern at the running back position. But I think – Because none of us have really seen him play college football before. It's really hard to put all your chips in that basket. If that's where it feels like things are going at the start of the season or week one, at least. But he is someone that when his recruitment really took off late in the cycle and he blew up and his huddle tape got out there and people really started looking at his game. I mean, he has a game that I think Georgia fans are really, really going to like last year. I know that he was doing some things where he really was asserting himself as a freshman that could make an impact. So I'm excited that he's going to have a lot of opportunities earlier in the year.
1: I just think there's maybe some worries
0: coming off of some health.
1: Definitely. And you know that we are going to stay paying attention to that situation and uh, several other injury situations for Georgia going forward. Uh, Let's sort of turn the focus to the interviews we got to listen in on. uh, On Wednesday, Kirby Smart, Carson Beck, Michael Williams, Dominic Lovett. Some really good stuff, I thought, between – all those guys and uh, let's start with coach smart besides the injuries anything really jump out to you Ben from what Kirby had to say um, again as we're less than two weeks away from that opener
0: I mean it it goes without saying the, the news drop that he had on Branson Robinson was probably the biggest takeaway from it I think I've said this to you and maybe I'm just the new guy and I read too much into these things but I certainly feel as though while it it seems like there might be some stressors with injuries and things like that. And I know that the fan base is collapsing on itself today, hearing some of the news. Kirby certainly didn't carry himself, in my opinion, today, like someone who is too concerned with the status of things. He brought, he acknowledged some of his areas of concern and things like that. Um, but really, I was... Uh, you know, surprised, I guess, given some of the injury updates that we've gotten that he feels as happy go lucky about things. Maybe I'm just reading too much into that. But aside from that, my biggest takeaway was probably his interchange over uh, the seven and five comments. I just found it so funny that he's still having to answer some of those things. And his comment about like, if you really thought, if you really, if I really said that I thought we were going to go seven and five, put me in a psychiatric ward. Because I think he got to the point where it's like, look, I'm recruiting the best football players every single year. I feel like our process that we have in place is better than everyone. We respect every opponent. We're never going to say that we are automatically going to win these games. But yeah, obviously, I think that I'm putting together a program that's going to go better than seven and five. So I just felt that it was almost his way of just being like, can we please stop this? I realized I had some players make some emotional comments on the field after we won a national championship. Big deal. But he did go back to say, like, there were doubts. I go back and look. And I think that's something that we've talked about on here before that people act like there were no doubts and there were. Um, and maybe that's just a testament to, I guess, the nature of some of the questions that were asked today. That my biggest takeaway was something that had nothing to do with upcoming fall camp stuff. But
1: yeah, I mean, there wasn't a ton other than that to pull from. And I do, he did not say it specifically, but I think he was kind of pointing at one point to that Tennessee game because he made mention of, you know, a team that was ranked higher than us. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, well, the only situation where that was was when Tennessee came to town.
0: No doubt about it. I, that was a great catch because he definitely was like, not wanting to reference Tennessee, but like y'all tell me what, how people were talking about things until we played a team that was ranked ahead of us. And he was definitely calling out that Tennessee game. So that was, you know, interesting. I always love it when Kirby has those little com- random comments, those one-offs that nobody asked him to do, but he's like, I just kind of want to get this little elbow out there for a second.
1: Yeah. There's always good ones and he's good about doing them while we're typing up something else. He said, <laughs> or like, like today, right. And a story about a guy that is out for the year, he can kind of throw those, those little quibs uh, when he gets a chance. Uh, besides that, for me, you know, Kirby talked a good bit. I thought about Malachi Starks, talked about wanting to see more leadership out of him. I thought that was really interesting. I uh, talked about Dominic Lovett, who I was really impressed with getting to hear him talk. And talking to Dominic specifically, you know, he talked about the fit he found at Georgia. Uh, he talked about how quickly he felt like he settled in. And, you know, just from what we got to hear, that's the first time we've talked to Dominic since he got to Georgia. Uh, You know, he really, to me, displayed a team-first mentality. You know, I asked him about how he felt like he fit in this offense, and he made sure he did not want it to sound like he was talking about what he was going to do. You know, he was like, look, I I just want this. You know, I'm a team-first guy. I don't really care about the individual stuff. I want to help this team out. Uh, Super, super impressed. And I've really been beating the drum going back to the spring, and I know I'm not alone on this, but I think he is going to have an outstanding year. I think he is going to be – an all sec caliber receiver. And I mean, he's a guy that I think uh, they're going to rely on in quite a big way. Once we get into the season.
0: Yeah. Well, that might not have been my biggest takeaway from the Dominic Lovett interview, but we don't need to get into all that. But, but Dominic, I'm really, obviously I'm impressed by him. I had him on my uh breakout players draft. He was my first round pick. So I'm really excited to see him, but I think hearing from him today, you could see, and Kirby alluded to this when he was asked about it in the press conference too, like, he knew that he was a good player. They were aware of him in high school. They obviously saw what he had done to Georgia last year, six catches, 84 yards, had a very good outing. And so he knew the type of player that Dominic Lovett was, but once he got around him and realized the type of person that he was, he said, this is a perfect fit for what we really need if we're bringing someone into the program. And I think that we saw that firsthand immediately after with Dominic Lovett. I mean, the way that he answered questions, the way that he talked about being welcome, welcomed into the program, but also saying that when he came into the program, he really looked up to guys like Ladd McConkey, Brock Bowers, Marcus Rosamy, Jack Saint, because he was like, these guys have done it before. They've won these national championships. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty good player. I put up some pretty good numbers in this league, but I really want to lean on these guys that have done it before from a winning standpoint. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then, you know, I I, th- I asked him about it, but I just wanted to know how much back and forth he really has with some of the guys knowing that they played last year. And I'm sure that they see film going both ways, where they win or lose reps. And he said that, yeah, they definitely, uh, whenever he shows up on film in a Missouri jersey, his teammates make sure to make a point about it.
1: Yeah, I have no doubt about that. Um, besides that, Michael Williams, he gave some good stuff. I believe that's the first time we've had him come up. Uh, he talked a good bit about how far he felt like he'd come along and was impressed with him talking about his football IQ and kind of improving that. You know, he missed a little bit of spring with a foot injury and said, you know, he gotten to the point where he would hear an offensive line call at practice and he was like, I know what they're doing, like I understand. And, like, that was really impressive to me for a sophomore guy, the guy that has a whole lot of potential, a five-star um, just really him sharing how he's sort of approaching the game. And at a time when he wasn't able to be out there on the field, he was still trying to improve any way he could.
0: Yeah, and he – that was my first time that I've ever been in the same room with Michael, And he you feel like you're in the room with an NFL defensive lineman, like just everything that he looks like from a physical standpoint. But I also just think sort of the way that he operates, he just comes off like a guy that's a little bit beyond his years. And I think that's the reason why you step into Georgia and are playing as a true freshman defensive lineman. Not everybody
1: has the ability to do that. So he, he was
0: really impressive to me today, too.
1: So it'd be a, a mistake not to talk about Carson Beck. You know, we're really sort of the man of the hour, the first time we've gotten a chance to talk to him since he was named starter. I thought he was really impressive. We had talked to him in the spring when we got him and Brock Vandergriff, uh, had a chance to talk to both of them. I thought that my biggest takeaway from what Carson had to say today was that this meant a whole lot to him to win this job. And I think that he took the right approach of not feeling like, I'm here, you know, we're done. But that, you know, he talked about all the years that he's he's striven to get to this point to be the starting quarterback. You know, he's been told no a whole lot of times. He talked about, uh, you know, if there were any uh, times that he thought about leaving and transferring. He said, you know, there were hard times along the way. Uh, But my biggest takeaway was just that you could tell he wasn't taking it lightly that he was going to be that starting quarterback. And two, that he's learned quite a bit from Stetson Bennett. I mean, he straight up said, you know, how much hate Stetson got, uh, that he learned from that and understood that, you know, that's kind of par for the course with what he's walking into. And uh, I think him just even being ready for that, no matter if he hears that stuff or not, I think that's going to be super helpful.
0: No doubt a, a rare journey for Carson Beck to starting quarterback, really anywhere in college football. But at Georgia, I mean, you're not, and you're not seeing guys sit and sit and sit to then become the starting quarterback and then come in as a guy that's top 10 in the Heisman odds. I mean, this is a guy that I think everybody fully expects to be the guy this season. And part of that's because he's on the best team in college football or the two time defending national champions, at least. But um, you know, I think that he spoke about the memories that he had from the last two seasons in a way that shows that that is sort of building who he's become as a quarterback. Like we go back to that UAB week, two years ago. And I mean, he probably thought he was going to be Georgia's starting quarterback. And there's probably a part of him that thinks, man, I'd be a two time national championship starting quarterback if I had ended up winning out that job. And so for him to have to sit there and feel that out. And I know that Warren Brenson mentioned it yesterday that they had conversations together about, how Carson obviously liked being part of a national championship, but he said to Warren after the first one, like, I want my own. And Carson said that today, like, yeah, you can be part of a national championship or it can really be your national championship. And while he's grateful to have been part of the last two years, I think that when you look at, you talk about things like Kirby being worried about complacency and all of that, I think that having a quarterback like Carson Beck, that feels the way that he probably feels about the last two seasons probably eliminate some of that because he just has a natural chip on his shoulder. And so you have a starting quarterback that doesn't feel like he's won two national championships. He feels like he's been part of two national championships, but now he sees this as his opportunity to go out there and do that. So, um, You know, he's got a good mentality for it. I'm excited to, again, see what he actually looks like. Again, sort of like the Andrew Paul talk that I was talking about before. I mean, we've obviously seen a little bit more of Carson Beck, but these are guys that we just haven't seen really play college football, and we're a week and a half away from getting to see it.
1: Yeah, a lot of good content from all those players and Coach Smart. I would recommend you go to dogs247.com. A lot of stories from today. Uh, Wednesday, and there will also be more on Thursday and probably even into Friday. There was a lot of good content. And on Dogs 24-7, the YouTube page, uh, we will have those videos up and have a chance for everybody to check that out. Uh, we will take a quick break, come back, and talk about what we saw at Wednesday's practice because there was uh, quite a bit of uh, intel and uh, uh, new, uh, newsworthy uh, things that we got to see. And uh, also just talk about what we want to see, what we want to hear Over this next week and a half, as the countdown continues until kickoff.
0: Drowning in status
1: updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Welcome back, everybody. Well, Ben, let's jump into what we got to see during practice on Wednesday. And a big part of the conversation was some of the things we did not see. And uh, one of the biggest things, and someone had mentioned it in the comments. I don't want them to think I was just totally ignoring them. We did not see wide receiver Lab McConkie out there. He was not with the wide receivers he was not with some of the banged up guys working off to the side. He was not inside an indoor practice facility working with some of the special team guys. So it's going to be something that we watch. We're trying to find out more info, uh, trying to find out what that situation is. And it's you know it's too early to to um, panic or say well it means this or that. You know we simply don't know, uh, but it is going to be something to watch because we've talked a great deal about how deep this receiver room is the different options they've got and the fact that they can rotate these guys in. You want not He's a guy that's proven we know what he's capable of doing. Uh, he's a preseason All-SEC receiver for a reason, um, and it's going to be a significant loss if he's going to miss any amount of time. Um, but, you know, even if that were to be the case, uh, I wouldn't totally panic if you're a Georgia fan. Uh, they got other options, uh, but you know that they would be better off as long as 84 is out there on the field.
0: Definitely someone that they want in the lineup. There's no doubt about that. You know, I try not to read too much into us not seeing people at practice sometimes because things are all over the place. We've got a brief window. You never know if a guy's just getting treatment or something like that. So he wasn't out there during the time that we had that set. I definitely think Lad McConkey not being out there is something that we'll be asking questions about trying to figure out what's going on because it is rare and not something that we're typically familiar with not seeing out there. So, um, definitely not someone that you want out of the lineup that said we got to talk with Dominic Lovett today we we understand the depth that there really is in this Georgia wide receiver room it's been a very popular topic throughout this fall camp with other wide receivers Arian Smith brought it up I think Kirby Smart and Mike Bobo have all both mentioned it at times as well that it's a really really deep room they have a lot of versatility with a lot of different skill sets so um you know hopeful for Lad that he is able to get back out there or is able to even be out there, you know, in short
1: order, but um, definitely a room that George is pretty comfortable with right now. For sure. And as you mentioned, we weren't out there very long, only about 15 minutes. So, you know, it's not a situation where you can draw a concrete conclusions, but we are going to see what we can find out. And you can bet we're going to pass along the dogs 24 seven when we do find that out. Now, going back to the practice, Ben, I want to throw it back to you Actually, some good news for Georgia with inside linebacker Smile Munden. You had uh, posted an update on the Dogs 24-7 board there on the junkyard earlier Wednesday. And from what we got to see uh, Wednesday afternoon, things look pretty uh, optimistic when it comes to Smile.
0: Yeah, we'd we'd heard that he was back out there yesterday and that he looked pretty good. He is still wearing a black non-contact jersey, but he wasn't off to the side doing individual drills like Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton were when they were going through position drills. He was with the inside linebackers. He was one of the first or second people through the drills that I was witnessing. So he's definitely jumping back in immediately and taking that a, a leadership role that we know he's going to hold in the linebacker room when he's a full go. I still think there's a little bit of uncertainty whether or not he will be available for week 1. Obviously with UT Martin as the opponent, I think that everyone's trying to play it as safe as possible through the first two weeks if if they can. So not 100% certain whether he will play or not in week 1, but definitely good to see him back out there going through position drills and really the only limitation right now is that he's wearing that black non-contact jersey.
1: We mentioned Kendall Milton and DeJon Edwards uh, working off to the side. Some of those guys that have been banged up, along with Jonel Aguero. Um, You know, still working, but not with their individual positions. Uh, Some good news, got to see uh, Ernest Green and Xavier Truss, a couple of offensive linemen uh, that had gotten banged up during Saturday's scrimmage. You sort of wondered what the situation was there. Uh, Kirby had told us on Wednesday that, uh, Ernest, he thought was going to be okay and getting to see him out there was good. Did not see Raylan Wilson, who was banged up in that scrimmage, uh, still dealing with the effects of a hyperextended knee, and hopefully he'll be back in short order. Um, other than that, you know, it, it seemed like pretty run of the mill, nothing too wild. A lot of getting to hear the coaches uh, getting after everybody. Uh, you, you had mentioned some of the things in your a VIP observation story. Will Muschamp was getting after it. And we always know Kirby's going to have something fun to say on the mic. Uh, he was commenting on the weather. I think he might have a future as a meteorologist, although uh, his temps are usually a little bit off compared yeah. to what we're actually dealing with.
0: His range today was wild. Like he said, 65 degrees when we got in. And then I heard him at another point saying it was 85 degrees. So maybe he, maybe he misspoke the first time, or maybe he just wanted to get it calibrate a little bit closer to the actual temperature at the second time. Uh But no, I mean, I, I've said it before. I just find it so funny, all the things that he says, but I will say one of my big takeaways was most of the time that I've been out there, sometimes you don't know where, I think you've mentioned it. He's the voice of God at times. You don't know exactly where he is. And I had the rare experience today where he was standing with the outside linebackers when I was over there with the outside linebackers. And he was off the mic for a little bit, doing some very one-on-one intimate coaching with some of the guys that were over there And then, I mean, obviously, once he walked away from the outside linebackers, he went right back onto the mic and was chirping at the defensive linemen a little bit. But I I did take note of the fact that while he is overseeing everything, he certainly has that energizer effect with the mic when he's on it. He certainly still has taken time to do individual coaching with guys as well. And I just hadn't seen much of that, mainly because I have no idea where he is at any given point while while I'm out there. So, you know, just to see that up close was a little bit of a different look from him.
1: Yeah, I would recommend uh, anyone who's interested, go read that VIP observation stories because we uh, passed along some good notes. And a decent chunk of them was uh, about what Kirby had to say because he always keeps it interesting. Uh, Before we move on, I did want to tackle one of the questions, and this came from YouTube. Uh, Barry Watkins, what in the world are we doing in practice to cause so many injuries? I mean, I think it's pretty simple. And Ben, you can uh, follow up on this, but they practice physically. You know, football is a very physical game. You talk about Uh, When you hear what players have to say about how Georgia goes about its business, you know they talk about how they make practice hard and that they do that so the games come easy. And you don't want guys to get hurt, and you're going to be smart about trying to keep guys out of situations where they could get hurt. Uh, But it's just sort of the name of the game. And, and, you know, sometimes it becomes a numbers game and you uh, are going to lose guys along the way. You want to do everything you can to avoid that. You want these guys, when they're not hurt, uh, to continue to get rehab and get in the work to make sure that their bodies are in you know in good shape and continue to take the wear and tear uh, but it's just one of those situations just the way Georgia practices the physicality you got to have to play at Georgia's level that unfortunately you're gonna lose guys along the way because they're gonna get hurt
0: I think it was after the Tennessee game last year Kirby was I think it was you know sec network was in there and they caught on video him giving his post-game speech and he said something to the effect of like you need to have physical toughness to win in this league nowadays and if you're in this room you've got it and i think he was talking to recruits and said if you're coming here like you're gonna need to get it and i think that the message he's trying to send there and actually Dominic it's perfect because Dominic Lovett brought this up today that one of the core values that they live by at Georgia is toughness and I had never heard a player talk about some of those types of core values that they have like ingrained into the culture at Georgia but being toughness and the reality is Georgia practices are hard Kirby even joked today that if practices are the reason that you know, Georgia players were wanting to stay here or whatnot. Like, he'd think that they'd probably want to be leaving because they're hard. I mean, it's you talk to recruits and they talk about how they know how hard it's going to be. And I think that when people talk about culture, that's the culture that Kirby Smart wants to create. He wants to create a practice culture at Georgia where you're working hard every single day so that Saturdays can come pretty easy for you. And that's what it's looked like for the last two years. But with that comes the byproduct of you're playing hard physical football on a more regular basis than most other teams are. And as a result, you're probably going to suffer some more injury concerns than some other teams are. That said, when you recruit 85, the way that Georgia recruits 85, you do have a little bit more of a depth luxury than most other teams have. So you can, you can afford some of those better than others can.
1: So less than two weeks to go before this opener against UT Martin, probably not going to have any more interviews until the Monday of that week, the Monday of game week, um, in the time that remains before they kick that off on uh, September 2nd at six o'clock, Ben, what do you want to learn or what are the things that still intrigue you about this team as we get ready for the season?
0: I mean, positionally, like, I think we're starting to narrow in on, who's going to be playing what position groups for the most part. Obviously the running back position has now become a little bit more intriguing, but I don't think we're really going to learn anything more about the running back position until we actually see what they put on the field against UT Martin. I am continuing to be curious about what's going to happen with that that cornerback position opposite of Kamari Lassiter. And it's worth noting Kamari Lassiter is still wearing the black Jersey. So I don't know how much that's going to leak into next week, or if there are any delays with what's going on with him, but I will say that battle opposite of him has been an ongoing one throughout this camp. And I think we've heard Dalen Everett at times. We've heard Nyland green at times. I've probably heard more about Julian Humphrey in recent weeks than anybody else. So I know it feels as though Kirby sent a few messages to his cornerbacks through some of his press conferences in terms of nobody's taking it. Like nobody's coming out and taking the job. Like if it has to go into the season, I don't want it to, but if it has to go into the season, it will. And it feels like he's really trying to reinforce to somebody in that group, like step up, take this job. And, um I'm very fascinated to find out who that is I'm assuming by early next week they're going to know who's going to line up opposite of Kamari Lasseter for the first snap of the game if they don't already um but that's the position group that I'm probably most curious about going into the season
1: I'll kind of have a cop out with my first answer and just say lad because we know well, that yeah. he's such a big uh, player on this team but sort of along the same lines I want to just see how they navigate Some of these guys that, you know, even going back to Smile Munden, some of these guys, maybe they can play. Do they play them? How much do they play them? How do they handle, especially like Kirby? What is he going to say in the weekly up to it? If it's anything like uh, how he handled it last year, there's going to be a lot of we're hopeful. He he gives us a lot of, yeah, we're hopeful they'll be able to play. Yeah. But, you know, I I think you have to be honest with the fact they're playing new team Martin, and and you got to look big picture, and it's a situation with some of these guys. Uh, where it it just doesn't make sense to risk injury. Um, So I'll just be curious about really more. So when we get into that game, uh, how often we see some of these guys have been banged up. And uh, if we do see them at all, just how long they're out there period.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, You hear Georgia talk regularly about like we treat every single game the same, but I think that you really want to make sure you get to week three for your first SEC game at as full of the health as you can get to. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if Georgia's more banged up right now in the middle of fall camp than they will be, you know, week three, because they probably what they're facing every single day in fall camp probably is a little more rigorous than what they're going to face through the first two weeks of the year
1: been my uh, favorite part of the podcast the men's basketball minute there's been a few episodes without one i had to bring one back we know georgia men basketball's non-conference schedule for sure for the 2023-2024 season a lot of these games have been reported but we now know uh, who they will be playing they're going to open the season in las vegas against oregon Uh, some of the other games along the way uh, hosting Wake Forest hosting NC Central uh, going to the Bahamas to play Miami and then either Kansas State or Providence home game against Winthrop uh, got a big game in Tallahassee at the end of November at Florida State uh, some of the other home games along the way Mercer Georgia Tech High Point Mount St. Mary's North Florida and Alabama a and uh, you know on the whole uh, a tougher non-conference schedule you know they play I believe four ACC teams uh, and uh You know, for me, the biggest game that really stands out uh, besides that trip to the Bahamas, getting to host Wake Forest. And I believe uh, that Georgia, that is going to be Georgia's second game. To me, that's going to be a very good barometer of where this team is and uh, what they are able to do this year. But uh, Ben, you're a big uh, Georgia basketball fan. Uh, What what do you make of uh, how this non-conference schedule came about and what we're looking at in year two of the Mike White era?
0: Well, I saw when Georgia's basketball team put it out on Twitter, they had guys doing Pictionary, uh, drawing the mascots for the different places. I thought that might be the game that we were going to play here, too. But uh, I I
1: think I feel confident that you or I, uh, no offense to RJ Melendez, uh, could draw the state of Florida a little bit better than he he was kind of struggling with that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, it was a great, good video, though. I encourage people to go check it out. It was funny. You can get a little, you know, personality influence from from the basketball team. But yeah, a couple interesting matchups you know the wake forest game i think the the what i always go to is just like what games are georgia hosting a team that's maybe a brand that you're a little bit more familiar with and so wake forest was definitely the one that stands out there i expect georgia to take a step forward this season i think that they have more of the types of guys in the locker room that mike white wants in the locker room right now but you know, it's as is the case with college basketball, especially in the SEC. It's like you really never know what you've got until you start playing other teams. And
1: um, we'll, we'll see. Reminder that that season opener against Oregon is uh, the Cario Aquindo Bowl because Cario is playing for the Ducks. So that will make that Oregon game very, very interesting. That's right. Where
0: is that game being played at?
1: Las Vegas. And, you know, uh, my uh, our our manager has not gotten back to me. I'm still waiting for that travel to get booked, but I feel confident that in the Bahamas that he's going to sign off on that. That'll be good to go.
0: Well, I mean, with the with the Oregon game, just throw a little bit on red and spin the roulette wheel and then you have your trip paid for right there. I don't know if Kevin will approve that one or
1: not, but. Ben, that's why we have you on the podcast. You're always thinking we love to see it. And, Thanks hey, I'll tell, uh, I'll tell anyone listening that I will have a men's basketball recruiting story on Thursday. So be uh, on the lookout for that as well. Uh, we are going to wrap up this episode. A lot of content, a lot of stories up on the site, and more stories to come in the next few days. Uh, but uh, quite a bit to tackle, and uh, we're still a little bit over a week to go before the season, so you know there will be more along the way. Uh, We're going to wrap it up right there. For Benjamin Wolk, I'm Jordan Hill. I want to thank everyone who tuned in live, who is watching this live, and for everyone who's listening to it after the fact. uh, Be sure to go subscribe to dogs247.com and go to the YouTube page and subscribe to Dogs 247 We have all our podcasts on there and also have interviews from Kirby Smart and players Uh, during the preseason and that will continue into the season so uh, we're going to get out of here and uh, get back to work until next time take care everybody